Part 1. World of the Sawi. Ambassador to Hainam. Chapter 1. As the sun rose, Yi gazed down through the floor slats of his Maro village treehouse at the dark surface of the Kronkel River forty feet below. His calm black eyes studied the slow drift of leaves on the waveless surface. The leaves were drifting downstream, but at a decreasing rate, evidence that the rising tide of the Arafura Sea, twenty-five miles to the west, was beginning to stay the seaward crawl of the Kronkel. Soon the tide would reverse the river's current completely. For a few hours it would force the black, algae-stained Kronkel back into the immense womb of the South New Guinea swamp which had spawned it. Yi had been waiting for this moment to begin his journey upstream, aided by the current. Yi's wife, Kautap, sat cross-legged by the central cooking place inside the treehouse. Her youngest child, still unnamed, lay asleep on her lap, cradled in the tresses of her heavy grass skirt. Leaning over the baby, Kautap sprinkled water from a bamboo cruse into the white sago flour scattered on the bark pallet before her. Slowly she kneaded the flour and water into a paste, while smoke from the smoldering fire bothered her eyes. Her older offspring, two-year-old Miri, was playing contentedly beside her on a woven mat. His only toy was a human skull whose sad eye-holes gaped vacuously at the smoke-blackened ceiling as it rolled about. Already polished to a bright ochre sheen by years of fond handling, the skull was kept as a memento of Yi's long-dead father, and also as a fetish to ward off evil spirits. But to little Marie, it was only a shiny toy. Yi spoke to Kautap without turning to her. Uvur haramavi makan, dufamud es. The tide is about to turn. Cook my sago at once. Her deft black fingers quickly worked the damp sago paste into a long, slender shape, wrapped it in yohom leaves, and laid it among the hot coals. Yi, meanwhile, donned his ornaments in preparation for the journey. He covered his naked loins with the kind of narrow grass skirt which, in the Sawi tribe, could be worn only by men who had slain an enemy in battle. Yi had slain five. He had taken heads from three of his victims, and this was indicated by the three bracelets of gleaming wild boar tusks which hung around his left elbow. His prowess in hunting was displayed next by his sudafen, a six-foot-long necklace of animal teeth which he draped in two loops around his neck. Each wild pig, crocodile, dog, or marsupial he had killed had contributed one tooth to the necklace. Bands of finely woven rattan also were fitted tightly above and below the muscles on each arm and just below his knees. Into the pierced septum of his nose he proudly inserted a six-inch length of hollow bone carved from the thigh bone of a pig and sharpened to a point on each end. If he had been journeying to attend an all-night dance, there were other ornaments he could have worn as well, a flame-colored bird of paradise plume a headband of gold and brown marsupial fur, a splay of white cockatoo feathers, as well as white and red body paint made from powdered seashells and red earth. But Yi's mission was purely diplomatic and not festive.
so he was content simply to adorn himself with the white and gold of polished bone and braided rattan. Kautap used a pair of tongs to remove the sago loaf from the coals, brushed off the charred leaves, and handed the steaming swamp bread to her husband. Yi ate half and placed half in his small sago bag made of woven fibers, along with a chunk of pork which Kautap had earlier smoked over the fire. Hanging the bag from his shoulder, he drew his six-foot-long bow made of black palm wood down from the overhead weapon rack. One end of the bow was tipped with a needle-sharp cassowary talon, so it could be used as a spear in close combat. Yi also selected a handful of sharply barbed bamboo-shafted arrows. Grasping both bow and arrows in one hand, he took lastly his paddle, which, along with his war shield, drum, stone axe, spear, canoe, and bow, completed the main...